Hello world and thank you for joining me today. This is Shelley Shearer and you are listening to the podcast Coulda Woulda Shoulda where I focus on not living in regret and forming high functioning habits. I want to inspire you to transform your thoughts for a happier and higher functioning life. We are what we think and we get lost in limiting beliefs. We don't eat well, we don't take charge of our money, manage our commitments and then wonder why we are stressed, overweight, in pain and unhappy with our lives. I haven't met anyone that can't change their mind. That's why I always say, see you on the flip side, as I want to journey with you on coming out the other side. Side of what you might ask? Well, that's up to you. Hello world, welcome to the show. Shelly Shearer here, and I'm so grateful that you're here to uh, spend this time with me. I want to talk about a subject today. Fix it, accept it, or leave it. This, This topic, this subject... Do you do this in your life? Have you owned this? Have you, uh, are you aware of it? Have you practiced it? A couple of things have come up in this past uh, weekend. In fact, literally just before starting this podcast, I was scanning some documents and sending them off to uh, a lady that is spearheading the, the work on a lawsuit that we've been in for 13 years. 13 years ago, my husband and I naively made a real estate investment and instead of purchasing a unit, which is what we had done in our uh, speculation of real estate up until that point, we purchased and flipped. We went in as shareholders and we were not prepared. We were not savvy enough investors to do the research that we needed. We could have literally just Googled a few things and realized that this gentleman who is a complete narcissist and a con artist was sanctioned by Redma, the real estate um, investment board here in Canada, that he should not have been dealing in real estate. And in the end, you know, they fraudulently, they took our money. Um, we didn't have control. We were shareholders, not owners of an actual unit. And he fraudulently put our signatures and took out loans that we didn't even know about with uh, what I like to call legal loan sharks, uh, high interest lending facilities here. It, it was just, it was incredible. Uh, so it made me think about that. You know, there's no point we could whine about it, we could sit around gossiping about it, or fix it. Now, as it turns out, one of the ladies that was investing with us lost a significantly uh, larger amount of money because she was had created a mutual fund that had invested in this pro- pro- um, program as well. And it's, it's very, very sad uh, when I see people taken like this, so taken so for granted that someone truly believes that they have the right to rip people off like this and take people's retirement funds it's and i really am a little bit angry at our government and our legal system that makes it so hard to make them pay 13 years 2006 is when this started it is 2019 this has been gone going for 13 years we've all been fighting this with a lot of the like i say the uh the kudos going to this this lady that is uh has really spearheaded this and we've just kind of followed her lead through all of this Hundreds of thousands of dollars have been spent um, putting these people away. We did get them arrested. We put them in jail. Um, and that's all great. But we're still all out our money. And the government just makes it really, really hard to go after these people. Out of, I think, 30 of us, when we first all started, there's seven of us left. Because people, they just can't go on. They need to let it go. Some people need to let it go. Maybe it wasn't a significant amount. And for other people, they've just gotten older. This is the retirement money and they needed to let it go for their health. They just they just couldn't keep up the drama of all of this going on in their lives. And it's, it's so sad. The government 
our legal system shouldn't make it so that the average person cannot fight people like this. But that's why they do these things, because they know how difficult it is to get caught and how difficult it is to, uh, to have to make rest restitution for, for their bad behavior. Um, before I carry on, sorry, happy Canada Day, happy 4th of July to the uh, North Americans that are listening. It's, uh, I had a great weekend away with my family, and that is actually what brought me to this subject. I was in my coaching call this morning, and I was recounting a few some of the stuff that went on in the weekend, and this phrase came up from my coach. I'm kind of getting to the point in my life where gossip just drives me crazy. Um, we all do it to a certain extent, and sometimes we just, you know, sharing information. It may seem gossipy, but actually, you know, you still need to share information with your friends. I understand that. But when a subject is something that you are continuously complaining about, but doing nothing about, or talking about other people uh, or situations, that's just gossip. It's also a bit of a victim mentality. And as I'm getting older and becoming a little bit more aware of my own behavior, the less patience I have for it. So I actually kind of said this to my coach. It's, you know, either fix it or shut up about it. And he's, his expression was, I try and teach this in my own, into my own clients. He says, you either fix it, you accept it, or you leave it. Now, if you're wondering, accept it or leave it, are, aren't those the same thing? No, actually, they're not. Leaving it could be mean leaving a relationship, leaving the problem behind. In other words, it's you just walk away. Acceptance may be a compromise where you look at the situation and say, what it would take to change this, I'm not willing to do. You could voice your opinion, you could, you know, you could um, clarify, but you might be willing to accept a situation or, or something in your life just so you can move on and, and live, or you truly need to step in and fix the problem. So this is what happens. My sister-in-law, uh, my husband's sister, owns a lovely piece of property up in what we call the Thompson River Valley here in, in British Columbia. It is between Kamloops and Cache Creek. It's absolutely beautiful. And she bought the property years ago with a girlfriend and everyone advised her not to do it because we knew this friend and we just knew a lot of drama could come with it. And sure enough, in the end it did. Uh, the other friend wanted to make a move. They had a huge dude ranch they wanted to sell and they wanted to downsize and they didn't have the money to make any of this possible, but they had found the property and came to Karen and, and my sister and said, would you go in with us with us? So they, they couldn't have made this happen without my sister and brother-in-law. The difference being though, shortly after the property was purchased, this other person made it their home. Uh, whereas Karen and Al were still working and they made that very clear that they could not, you know, live here and, and do what needed to what she felt needed to be done because she wanted to make it her home. Uh, they paid for everything, but they, they weren't always there. This other person, I have to hand it to her. She is a, no one works as hard as she does. But the sad part is she's a workaholic that takes no joy in anything that she does. So for years, the property, my sister-in-law had no cabin on it, no house. There was an outbuilding. And as a family, we would go up there camping and we would just use this outbuilding. It had a bathroom in it and a little kitchen facility that we kind of rigged up in this greenhouse. And we were fine. Meanwhile, over the years, this other friend uh, dismantled a heritage cabin up at her old property and brought it down and created a home and then went to work on this property. Now I have to say, the property is amazing. It's like walking onto the movie set of a um, old Western. 
She has a gift for decoration. She took uh, my brother-in-law's old trailer. They set it up on a hill, and then she put a facade around the whole front of it that made it look like a saloon. It's just amazing. She's got a real gift. The problem is the personalities. So what happens is, for years now, we get together, and it is just a complaint session about the relationship and what's going on the property. This other person, because she did a lot of the decorating work and has made it look pretty, you know, but she did it for her own purposes. Everyone was very clear that you're not, you know, you're doing this for yourself. But she's developed an entitlement is uh, issue around the fact that. I made it look pretty, so therefore it's mine. It's like, no, you only own half this property. But she's a bit of a bully, and she's very, you know, pushy, and she has just decided that she just gets to say everything that goes on, and and that's it. Well, unfortunately, now that my sister-in-law has built a cabin up there and her brothers are on the property a lot, there's been some showdowns and some harsh words because my brother, my husband and his brothers, they do not put up with bull. They just do not. And no one's bullying them around. Whereas my sister-in-law is, um, she likes to keep the peace. Sometimes we think she's a bit of a pushover, but really, actually, she's just a kind, amazing woman that would rather have peace than be right or cause issues. So she sort of let things go on to the point where this friend just feels that she's entitled to everything. And the family sits around and complains about it every year. And I'd had enough. I just went, guys, you guys either accept that this is the way it's going to be, sell the property and leave, or fix it. You confront her, you sit down, you have a conversation, and you fix it. And this applies to so many places in your life. So back to my lawsuit, Keith and I didn't have the total ability to fix it. We were not prepared to leave it. There's a lot of money at stake here. And uh, we were not uh, willing to accept it. But we had someone that was, we were willing to just support the person that was willing to fix it. So that's all we could do was just be here with our support to stay into the, in the fight, supply paperwork when we needed it, and show up with legal fee money when, when, they, when they did a, a cash call. We never wanted to see these people get away with what they did because they'll hurt other people. In fact, why we were in the middle of the lawsuit uh, originally to have him arrested, not the lawsuit that we're in now against the lawyers and the, and the financial institutions that never should have done business with him and who didn't keep our money in trust like they legally were required to, hence we didn't get our deposits back, um, we've gone after them. But the, originally the lawsuit was about, was about him getting him arrested for, for this fraud. And I lost my train of thought for a second. We needed to ensure other people were not being taken advantage of. Because if you can believe it, he has been charged and people have seen him in restaurants with new groups of people trying to get funding for a new project. It's like, are you kidding me? The man is charged with fraud. He's going to court and in the end he was convicted, put in jail, his partner was lowjacked um, and stuck in house arrest, but he was still out thinking that he was smarter than us, that he could con the next group of people, and we literally could not sit by and let that happen. So that part of it needed to be fixed. We were not accepting it. We were not leaving it. But this problem with my sister and her conflict and her, and her ownership of her property, any of these three things could be acceptable to her. 
but something has to be chosen because the sitting around as a family and spending now my husband and I are very fortunate we live closer and are to to the property we can go up for a couple of extra days but one of our 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 siblings comes in from Alberta so there's some distance being traveled here for some people so if they're only coming in for three days, we do not want to spend one whole evening being angry, bitter, and complaining about this other person, her attitudes, her annoying annoying habits, how much she's a bully, how much she's sticking her nose in where it doesn't belong, what right she has to tell us what we can and cannot do on my sister's own property. But we do. We keep sitting around year after year having this same, I hate to use it, I'm going to swear, guys, bitch session over a, a situation that either needs to be fixed, accepted, or left. And so this year, actually, it happened again, and I finally just, sitting on the porch, I was very much more involved. Last year, I went up, and unfortunately, I was feeling very sick with my fibromyalgia. And my family, I love them, but they're very loud, and we're all camping in a really tight little cabin, and no one's getting enough sleep. There's probably, there's not probably, there's too much drinking, and uh, my body just really doesn't react well to that. So I was, unfortunately, a little out of it last year. But this year, not as much. had a day of rest before and after and so I was definitely more social so I'm sitting on the deck and I finally just said to everyone that's enough we are ending this conversation right now either you guys do something about it but we are not spending another whole evening of only a three evening visit of family that some of them we only see once a year complaining about this woman for one more minute because all you're doing all we're doing is giving away our power she's not bothered she's not bothered at all really she's winning She's getting her way. The rest of us are losing our time, our enjoyment, our family time, and really our mental health, complaining about this over and over and over again. So where in your life could you find situations like this? Because honestly, for the most part, you have situations like this, most people do every day of your life. They are probably very small instances like this where you're not really, perhaps you're not really cognitive of the fact that it's a situation that you're kind of tripping over all the time. Same little thing keeps coming up. Same little thing keeps coming up. Work, family, marriage doesn't really matter. These situations are always there. Think of those things if you can and then apply this. Fix it, accept it, or leave it. It's really not rocket science. It's three choices. And decide what it is you're willing to do to get past that situation. It's all part of growth, how we grow and how we change in our lives and how we accept situations. Like I said, I've been caught up in this gossip session for almost a decade. Actually, I'm not going to lie. Part of me quite enjoyed it. I get a drink and with my family, we could all just sit around bitching and complaining about this other person. But my awareness has changed so much the last few years. Part of it has just been seeking knowledge, uh, gaining awareness and and wisdom. But my illness has definitely played a huge part of that because I am more conscious of my energies and my time and where I want to spend them. I don't want to waste them. What if, like my family, I start losing my memory in the next decade and I don't have an old age that's worth living? What if my fibromyalgia becomes so bad that I really start struggling even more physically and can't travel and work and do the things I want to do and we have to move? There's a lot of what ifs out there. I don't like my energies being taken up with negativity now. I have listened to the book, uh, The Four Agreements, and have gotten, you know, quite aware and clear on things like keeping my word 
and not making assumptions and, you know, doing my best. These things are becoming more, they've always been important to me, but they're more forefront in my sort of awareness right now. I approach a lot more of my life, my day, my work, my interactions with those things that this new filter right out in front. So I'm not letting as many little things get on the ger like I, what I like to call the gerbil wheel where, you know, you don't want to do any of these three things. You just want to complain about it. Well, no, there's been lots of things in my life, big things where I've made decisions to fix or walk away or accept, but I have to say it didn't come as naturally or as easy because I hadn't practiced it, practiced it, practiced it enough. Sorry. Now it's becoming just clearer, easier. It's like anything. You learn to play the piano when you're a little girl or even as an adult. You learn your scales, you learn your notes, you learn your scales, you learn your timing, you learn to play simple songs. Till the next thing you know, I don't look at the piano keys when I'm playing the piano. I look at the music because I know where my fingers are going. Why? Because I practiced. So those movements, excuse me, are innate. In fact, I had to laugh. Little segue. A uh, day after the big barn dance, where four in the morning I went to sleep and everyone's up at eight, I can't survive on four hours sleep, but I was running on adrenaline. So I'm up in the morning, we're all visiting. I know I'm going to crash any minute now, but breakfast is made. It's a huge noisy ordeal for the breakfast to get made in, in this family. And there's 20 of us with 10 dogs, okay? So you can just imagine the mayhem. And uh, my sister gets law gets out the games and stuff on for the lawn because it's finally the weather's changed. First two days it was raining. Now it's beautiful, sunny. The kids are all out there. She gets the badminton set out. Ha ha. <laughs> I'm like, really, Karen? I don't, I don't know about this. It was so funny. I had no problem hitting that. I am so uncoordinated. It's not even funny. But I played squash for years. And that badminton racket, just boom, boom, boom. Now, I couldn't do it for long. I'm so, I, you know, my physical abilities are very limited but it was hysterical because it just came naturally I didn't even have to think about it that is muscle memory I have not stepped on a squash court in almost five years but after the first two or three shots it just you know overhand serve under made connection with the birdie every time it just it's just there that is like it is with anything that you practice it eventually becomes second nature so we always equate that with our physical practice this, you know, read more, do your homework, practice your physical stuff, practice your sports. But what about our mental attitudes and our emotions? The more you practice keeping control of those areas of your life as well, the more second nature it comes and the easier it, it is. It is just always easier to choose a better choice, to make a correct choice. If you have are constantly thinking about not making assumptions and then it's right there. So when you go to knee jerk and go, I'm going to, yeah, nope, stop. We are not going into that. We are not going to tell a story about a situation that we really know nothing about. Now I have to laugh because this is one of my dad's favorite things and my husband does it as well makes makes me laugh I'm not gonna lie I enjoy doing it but it's more of a game but these guys actually get themselves all worked up what if and they start telling this whole story about a situation that they saw one little piece or someone do something or someone say something or an expression across someone's face and 
they are writing the novel about that situation, making all the assumptions in the world. And I just laugh. My husband can actually make me almost laugh. I'm crying. It's just like I've been in the car bent over going, are you kidding me? You got all of that out of that. And he's looking at me. What? It's like, okay, okay, bud. Um, that is practice. Not to do that, not to doing it's very easy. So it's practice not to get into that habit if you tend if you tend to do that and you're laughing right now or wondering, oh, oh, do I do that? You probably are. Stop and start thinking along these lines. Fix, accept, leave. Think about not making assumptions. These are pillars of a personality or a character trait that you might want to incorporate into how you move forward in your life. Doesn't matter where you are, what your age is. There is no wrong time to change your mind. I talk about this all the time. Just change your mind. So if your mind being changed is like it is for me, quit making the assumptions and quit gossiping in my particular case. Um, then that's going to be forefront. You're going to be more cognitive about it and you will start making better choices and you will shut it down sooner. Now, I am a very emotional person. My friends all know this about me. I have struggled with it my whole life. What I had to learn is to accept that about myself. So I'm not embarrassed by my emotions anymore. The difference is owning them and is saying, yeah, okay, this is how I'm feeling right now. Okay, I can accept that. Do I want to feel this way? No, not really. Okay, so what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to own this, this anxiety I'm going through right now. Yep, feeling pretty anxious right now. I've been through this before. I got ways to get myself out of this. This too shall pass. There's, you know, there's a whole lot of little working mechanisms here that work really well for me anyways. Verbalizing it for me, by the way, is one thing. I'm I'm on a bit of a segue here, sorry. Uh, Verbalizing for me is a big thing. So I have a husband that understands my issues and I right away tell him, I am struggling right now. This is what's going on. He's like, oh, okay. So he doesn't add to that. In fact, he gets very supportive, which I appreciate. That part of my personality, I hid for a long, long time until it would blow up in my face. So I really, in my 20s, teens, especially in 20s, spent a lot of time hiding And being, trying to be totally in control all the time. Like just locked down control. Well, do you know what? For one, for the average person, that's not healthy. But for someone highly emotional like I am, who thinks first, feels first, thinks second, that is dangerous. And I have put myself in a lot of bad situations over the years because I bury it, bury it, bury it. And then it freaking explodes like a volcano or I knee jerk, or I say stuff and get into fights with my family that is stuff I should have just had, I should have fixed it, accepted or left it. Instead, I bottled it and then I blow. Not a good way to be, okay? So if you can see these trends in your own life and you can see some of these behavior patterns, then get your mind cognitive of how you want to be and how you want to change those behaviors. And the more you think about it, the more you practice it, the easier it will come until it is a little more second nature. Now, for instance, I'm not sure how to say this out actually without sounding vain. Um, oh, well, it doesn't matter. I'll tell the story and you guys, guys, guys can take it how you like. It is very easy for me to be kind. 
I don't really think twice about it, whether I'm nature by nature, I'm just born this way or my father, you know, his influence raised me. I definitely give a lot of gratitude to relationships for that. For instance, I've told the story before dating. I had a couple of wonderful boyfriends in my young life that taught me to show better respect and language in a relationship because I have a mother that's sarcastic and judgmental and verbal about it and has been her entire life. Just the stuff that comes out of her mouth. It's a habit, a habit I picked up. It's very normal in our family, but you bring someone that's not like that into my close family circle and they are appalled and offended sometimes. Some people that are really laid back and they're just like, ah, whatever, that's how they're like. But people that are a little more sensitive or they've never grown up with that sort of sarcasm or judgment in their their homes, they are appalled. (laughs) Well, I wasn't aware of it. So for me, um, some of it's just been awareness and practice because by nature, I think I'm I'm fairly kind. I find it easy to be nice to people. I like the response I get and I like myself better when I'm that person. And sometimes I get taken advantage of, but that doesn't change me who I am. Other people, perhaps that doesn't come easy for you. Your first reaction is not to be nice to people. But you see, if you practice it, just like I practice not having tone. So we joke about it in my marriage. My husband will go, honey, you sound like your mom. Um, We call it tone. I say things with tone. I don't even mean to. Don't even realize it's coming across as anything but kind. But tone changes everything, especially in the English language. (laughs) So you know what? I've owned it and I've put it out there. I've also asked for help with it. So it's kind of brought up into my face and I practice. Don't use tone. If you have trouble with that in your life, like I did, or you have trouble, perhaps the opposite of me, where it's not your first instinct just to be nice to people. Are you a little suspicious? Do you wonder, you know, why are they being nice to me? What does that person want? You could have been raised in a, just a, in a household that just everything, you have a lot of suspicious about a lot of people. Maybe your parents were like that, or there were things in your home that were very unhealthy, and then you became a very suspicious and untrustworthy person, or you had came from a family that you didn't see a lot of kindness shown, that it's not going to come natural to you. As much as my mom has issues with her verbiage, um, I wouldn't necessarily say she's a mean person at heart. She's not, and my dad is an extremely kind person and I come from a generation where men ruled the roost so he is the bigger influencer in my life kindness was just taught we were you know we were expected to be kind people any of these things can you relate to they do not have to maybe the kindness is what you have to work on but you would never even consider being sarcastic or judgy in your verbiage maybe you come from you know, we're very lucky to have no experience of that in your life as a young person. So you didn't carry it in to your adulthood. One of the neat things uh, this author speaks about in the, in the four agreements, and then I'm just reading his um, new book or audio book, the fifth agreement, his second book, is that we don't have a choice growing up really what we believe in because we're children. And we believe what's told to us. And we then in turn, take that belief And we put it out into the world and it's how we behave and our filter is always through that belief structure. 
And it takes a lot for us as human beings to break free of that mold, to ask questions, to say, why? Why is it like that? You know, a little kid say no. Why? Everything with a little kid is why? Because they're testing their boundaries. They want to know why something is the way it is. If you're not allowed to do that, why? You cross the road without looking, you get hit by a car and you die. Okay, there's a good why. Um, they don't even hesitate. But as we start getting older, we stop questioning. And our upbringing has a lot to do with that. You know, we lots of times we buy into the same religion our parents did. I certainly did. And it wasn't until I got older when life wasn't working quite the way I wanted that I started looking around going, Why? And I took a huge, you know, break or I guess left turn from a lot of the belief structure. But I eventually came back to it because I truly have faith in a lot of the things that I was raised with. But I still want to question, always question. A hundred years ago, has it been that long? How long ago was penicillin invented? Or people, uh, the Wright brothers, when they invented the plane. I love history, but I can't remember dates really well. Hundreds of years ago, the Dark Ages, people thought evil spirits, you know, caused illness. They thought bleeding us out when we're already sick was, you know, because was, um, was going to help us get well. And we look back at those days now with all the knowledge we have and go, oh my gosh, how could they be so superstitious and ignorant? Well, I hate to break this to you, but a hundred years from now, our great-great-grandchildren are going to look back on this generation and go, what the freak were they thinking? And the sad part is, what's kind of interesting is we don't even know what we don't know. We don't know what they're going to come back to us and say that about. Because our belief structure is there and we accept it. So that kind of ties back in for me a little bit back to the fix it, accept it, or leave it. Because either you're questioning something or you're not happy with something. And you're either going to find a way to fix it or you're going to accept it and just compromise or you're going to remove yourself from the situation. You're going to leave it. But that takes a lot of awareness and of opening up your mind to say, but what if or why? Why do we believe the things we believe? Why did the Bible become the, you know, the, the book that really, I hate to say, it can cause a lot of issues in our, in our, in our globe, but it really, the world may not be predominantly Christian, but the bottom line is Jesus Christ, God, and the Christian religions have, are prevalent across this globe. They have caused wars. They have caused division, hatred, love. Um, it's quite endless. And still to this day, we as human beings use it as a moral compass. Even if you say you're agnostic or you have, you know, what's the word I'm looking for when you don't believe in God at all? Atheist is the word I'm looking for. But we still believe more or less, you know, it's wrong to kill and it's wrong to lie and it's wrong to covet our neighbors and it's wrong to steal. Um, we still believe a lot of what goes on in our society based on the Ten Commandments. So it's quite fascinating to me that we believe all this and forget where it comes from. So the, even the non-Christians is what I'm actually really saying. People that don't necessarily believe in the Bible or God. But we still base what our belief systems are on. And we forget to recognize where we're getting those belief systems from. Like what sort of drove this behavior? And the belief systems that we carry with us. That we were raised with. The agreements that we agree to. And the truths or the lies that we've accepted. And, and live our life by. So to... Wrap this up and bring it back together. Bring it back to the, how this started. 
in your life, there is a lot of awareness that needs to be implemented so that you can see where your behavior is good, bad, or indifferent, where you can find peace, but sitting around gossiping about something and never doing anything to change it is a theft of your time and your integrity. Fix it, accept it, or leave it. I hope those words spoke to you today. Thank you for joining me. Have a great day, everyone, and I'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you again for joining me today, and remember to focus on not living in regret. I invite you to subscribe to my show so you don't miss a thing. You can reach me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at either High Functioning Habits or Living Well with Shell. And I invite you to leave a rating on my show about what you like best or message me with something you'd like me to speak on next. Remember, willpower will only get you so far that you better have a plan.